Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sean Payne, founder and owner of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. Uh, today, I have with me Isaiah Chass, our founding agent. And uh, I, I say this often, but today we really have a very special guest in Dave Alden. So, Dave, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and kind of what you do within, within the community? We sure, jump right into sure. it. So. Well, I'm, I'm a retired civil engineer, mostly retired, still mm-hmm. do a little bit. Um, I do a lot of different things in the community. Uh, as we're going to talk about today, I was uh, one of the co-founders of Urban Chat. I still function as its executive director. I have been on the transit committee for 11 of the last 12 years. I'm on the general plan advisory committee. I've been on park and rec. I do whatever the community, I, whatever I think, the, wherever I think I can benefit the community, I try to get involved. Right, right. That's 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 uh, that's really awesome. And just like to kind of give the backstory of how we met. Um, I was walking around the office complaining about uh, just basically real estate developments, but also I think the allocation of parking to real estate at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, and people kept hearing me talk about. It. And then uh, Elise Hempel said, "You really should talk to 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 Dave Alden about this. This is right up mm-hmm. his alley." And mm-hmm. then a half hour later, she connected us with a. a, a uh, a group email, and and from there we met and had a great conversation. And it, what what I what I uh, I think is so great about you coming down here is, in one sense, we're kind of on the opposite ends of. I mean, uh, you know, here's we're a real estate brokerage here. Mm-hmm. We sell real estate. Where we we definitely promote building that way. And and you know, I mean, I think that that uh, urban chat there can be some connotations there that potentially like um, those type of groups can be against development. And when I sat down with you. I was so impressed with not only your just your wealth of knowledge, um, but but just how how nuanced your opinions were, and and everything you said. I was like, you know, that may not be what I want to hear right now, or or or, but that totally makes sense, and I can get behind that. And so that's why, like, I just I I, I appreciate you coming down here, and I hope we can continue these conversations because um, uh, I, I want people to know that this this gentleman really cares about the community. He's a huge resource to the community. And if you don't know who he is, you should you should listen to the information he puts out there um, because uh, he's very informative. And, and so I think it can really benefit us that way. So, you know, it's um, interesting that you sort of bring up the YIMBY versus NIMBY. And I assume, I assume your audience is familiar with the two words. Yes, yes. You know, our primary advocacy effort is called Know Before You Grow. It's a committee of urban mm-hmm. chat. Right. And it's funny how people respond to the term Know Before You Grow. Mm-hmm. About a third of people assume that makes us a NIMBY organization. Right. About a third assume it's a YIMBY organization. And the other assume we're about how to grow marijuana. Truly, it does right, come up that right, way regularly. Right. Where, where I am personally, and I think I don't think I'm understanding that the, 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 the organization is also there, as mm-hmm. I get tongue-tied. We are probably 75% YIMBY. We need housing. Mm-hmm. We have a homeless problem. Housing addresses that. We have a commute problem. Yes. You know, we have 16,000 people a day who commute into Petaluma and 16,000 who commute out. That's unsustainable from a climate perspective. We need to address that. Mm-hmm. But it has to be the right kind of development. So we're not any kind of development's great. No, it has to be something that works with a climate-friendly, sustainable future. Right, right. Yeah, no, that, that, uh, uh, and, and uh, again, um, you know, so many words can have, con- 
weird connotations out there. Uh, I just really encourage you to to uh, to encourage uh, encourage you to see what Dave says because it's very nuanced. But I mean, I think no matter politically where you where you stand, it makes sense on both sides. Oh. It really does that way. It's all so, about smart growth, and that's, that's yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, like, like not to specifically talk about a project. I'm not going to name the project, but I think what impressed me at one point, we were talking about a certain project. Like, you know, there should have been smarter. It should have been done differently, and there should have been higher density and more homes there. And I was like, whoa, this is this is a different <laughs> conversation than I expected to happen. That way. So, um, so yeah, I just uh, you're a huge resource, and I, I, I really encourage. I hope your your reach expands. Hopefully, we can get the message out here through this podcast a little bit more. Um, let's jump into urban chat and kind of like how. You, you were one of the co-founders. How did it like organically come about that way? So. After a number of years of my own personal learning about urbanism, mm. I mean, quick backstory: in 1990, 1990 I went to Colonial Williamsburg mm-hmm. and lived in one of the apartments where I was upstairs from one of the main streets. So my, my car was in a parking lot elsewhere for four days. I would go downstairs. I would really, you know, immediately be part of the village. And it's sort of, this is really cool. I never had to touch a car. And yet to go any, you know, see any number of things I really want to see. Right, right. And my thought was, it's too bad it doesn't exist mm. in our world today. Mm. Not long after I got back, I was living up in Bend, Oregon at the time. I was working on a large um, golf course residential development. And the architect came in with a plan where there was an urban core in the middle of it with lodging and homes upstairs from businesses on a main street that was very car independent. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like, wow, we really can do it today. Mm -hmm. That project never came to pass, but it tweaked my interest. I began doing more reading. By 2011, I was underemployed. Mm -hmm. And an architect friend suggested that we jointly write a blog about walkable urbanism. Mm -hmm. Seven years later, I had written 724 posts. He'd written six. It wasn't a very equal partnership, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it. About seven months into that, uh, a local individual, Dan Like, who you know perhaps some of your listeners know, mm-hmm. reached out to me going, I want to meet face-to-face to talk about this. Four of us got together in June 2012 at Aquas Cafe, and Urban Chat was born. It's, you know, it's grown slowly at first, then jumped up a bit, and we're always trying to find more, more audience, more things to do, more bandwidth to get things done. But sure. we, we have a mailing list of 520 people, so we reach out to a lot of folks. Right. We just need to get more, need to get more active. Right, right. No, that's, 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 that's really impressive that way. I mean, I, I would I'd definitely say that, you know, Urban Chat, people know who you are now. Right, because of that, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a group that carries some weight that way. It's impressive the the following that you're able to get to community meetings and hearings and, and that nature. It's uh, it's a lot harder than people might think to get people to those events, and you do a great job of getting people down there. It is hard. I'm I'm not sure we do a great job yet. I mean, there are times we've had good turnouts, other times I'm a little, little disappointed. But yeah, people need to understand that showing up makes a difference. So and we try to try to make it happen. Right, right. And, and uh, we'll, we'll mention this at the end of the podcast, but, but uh, urbanchat.org is your website. Correct. That way, so if anyone wants to go there and check it out, um, check it out. And, and to talk about that, Urban Chat mission is to educate the public on four key elements of city planning. Housing, transportation, city finances, and climate uh, action. Correct. Uh, uh, this is where it's going to be very hard not to deviate, just try to keep this podcast on track, because there's so many things that we could talk about. We may have to have you back in the future um, that way. Uh, do you want to talk about, are there any topics right now within that, that that's kind of pressing or that, that you know topical or at the top of your mind right now? That, that, uh, that way, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. So. <laughs> well, there's always half a dozen things at the top of my mind, and I'm, sure. I'm juggling them. 
No, I mean, the thing that I'm probably most thinking about today is the 15-minute neighborhood concept, which right. really touches all of those. And how, do, you know, right now, most of us assume for any chore we're going to do, we're going to hop in our car first. Uh -huh. That's the default option. That's not a climate-sustainable uh, situation. Right, right. We need to create a world, a community. Let's start with a community. We can't solve the world. Where we can walk to more things or ride or bikes, bikes or yeah. hop on the bus. The right. bus is often an undervalued uh, element of a 15-minute neighborhood, but it, it has to happen. And it's, in some ways, it's maybe the most, most important transportation element. Right. Um, but And that touches on a number of those mission pillars. You know, we, we need more housing. Somebody recently put on, on Twitter, and I love it, if a 15-minute neighborhood is a place where I can walk in five minutes to get a cappuccino, but my barista, have to, my barista has to drive 30 minutes to make it, it's not a 15-minute world. Right. Which is absolutely dead on, and it's a problem we have to solve. Right, right. So um, there was an independent group, uh, let's say the Sustainable Development Assessment Team, local local team that was created in what is now the backspace of your office right, right. Um, that did a project through the AIA last year on 15-minute neighborhoods. We have a report. Mm -hmm. They are now becoming a committee of urban chat because our missions align. And I was always involved in that group anyway, so it's a very logical merge. Right, right. Um, they made a presentation last evening to the General Plan Advisory Committee, mm -hmm. which I sit on. So I was wearing two hats last night. And anybody who wants to look up that video on the city website, it was a really good conversation about what 15-minute neighborhoods are and what the challenges will be to get to that vision. Sure, sure. Do you want to touch just a little bit for our listeners that don't are, are unfamiliar with a 15-minute concept that way? Sure. There's a lot of different ways it comes out, as you and I right. were talking about earlier. Um, basically, it's how do we create a world where you can do more of your things without touching your car, mm -hmm. whether that's walking two blocks to a grocery store, whether it's hopping on a bike to get downtown and have, having adequate bike parking so you can enjoy the downtown experience, whether it's having a bus come through your neighborhood on a regular enough basis that you're comfortable hopping on it and going to Roanoke Park if that's where your church is. Sure. But w whatever it takes to make things happen, mostly within 15 minutes of where your home is without you having needing car keys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Simplest way to say it. Right, right. And, and so, like, I know that uh, when, when I'm in a meeting or something, someone will hint that they don't like this concept or that they, we need cars or things like that. I mean, again, th this isn't like a concept where like you're forcing everyone out of their cars. I think that's really important for, for people to understand is like, you know, there are people out there that, that need to use their cars to drive into town and things of that nature. Yeah. So, so we're not, we're not like giving you a slap on the wrist and saying what you brought your car to town or something of that nature. It's just that it's a, it's a multifaceted approach to, to addressing these issues that exactly. way. And, exactly. and I think that like what we'll see is that, People will find that that hopefully there's going to be a, tra a rough transition, but people will find that like it's it's probably a better experience to maybe take a bike down or things of that nature. Um, and it's just like you know, it's just it's, it's hard to break old habits. And, and why I say this is, as I mentioned to you, that my family, my mom's from Norway, so I spent a lot of my childhood going back to Norway and and we rode bikes everywhere. I mean, much more so than here. That was mm -hmm. just like um, you know. Oslo Norway's higher density, you know, metropolitan area that way. And so we would ride bikes all over the place or things like that or public transportation. And 
it's 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 like I, I don't want to like you know as soon as I say this people are like oh no but it's it's a really good way of getting around like it's a very efficient way of, and it's just we're not used to it um, um, that way and, and, and part of it's like living in Sonoma County it's not dense you have people that live out in the country or things like that so you have to use you know you have to use cars but but no one's gonna say like everyone has to hop on a bicycle it's just that once you do you may find that there are, are better ways to to explore your community that way so. I think a lot of the reason that people complain about that whole idea of, you know, using alternative forms of, of transportation is that right now it's not convenient for them to do that. The only reason you wouldn't walk to the store or ride your bicycle to the store is because it's not convenient. There's not, uh, they're not close enough or there's not uh, adequate bike parking, whatever. Um, I, would, I would think that once those are more readily accessible, people to want to do that. It's, again, it's not being forced on them. It, it, it makes more sense. Like most of Europe, it doesn't make sense to get in your car to go get food. You walk <laughs> down the street and it's a narrow, you know, side street and you ride your bike there and you're back within five minutes. And it, it, it's much easier to do that than drive. I have a niece who lives in Berlin and she says exactly what you just said. And it's always fun to talk to her about that. I know it, we have what I just often refer to as the transition problem. Right. You know, right now we are so car dependent that no one can believe we could do without that. We have projects that come into the city council, and the city council often wants to add parking because there's not enough parking to it. We heard that recently on the um, Midpan housing project on the on uh, Washington Street. Right. Right. But no, if we don't start creating housing with less parking, if we don't build more bike lanes, if we don't slow traffic so that it feels safer to be on your bike. We don't get to the future we need to get to. And yet, making a change from where we are now to where we're going to be, where we need to be in the future is going to feel awkward at times. Okay, okay, I'm willing to be awkward. I'm I'm willing to be inconvenienced for a while to get to a better future. Yep, yep. No, I, I, and you know what? It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's about habits. Two days ago, I got my hair cut. Uh, My, my barber is just so close to here. I hopped in my car. I drove over there, and then I realized, what am I doing? <laughs> you know, and it's just it's that condition that I have to, to break. It's it's quicker to walk over there than get my car find mm-hmm. parking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just, it's just you know, habitually I just got in my car for a second, and I was like, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? But that's just, that's just part, of, part of the habit. And, and we do encourage, I want to say that, like, here at Live Explore, we do encourage, um, you know, alternative forms of transportation. We're about hopefully uh, – not hopefully later this year we have a series of e-bikes uh, out there we'll increase the fleet and we'll start showing homes on e-bikes and, and our agents from time to time will hop on an e-bike if they have like uh, to go do something really quick it's faster on an e-bike mm-hmm. than it is a car that way but there's going to be it's it's a mindset you know and i and i obviously still struggle with it i mean we are going to but it's going to mm-hmm. you know it'll be uncomfortable but i think um again it's just a it, it's a better way of doing things for not for everyone but for some people that way so so well, plus, when you bump into people, whether it's on a bike, walking, there's a quote that I love uh, from Jane Jacobs, and I'm not going to get it quite right. It was part of the GPAC presentation last night. But casual sidewalk interactions, as minor as they may seem, are the small change from, with the wealth, from which the wealth of cities is built. Uh-huh. It's true. When I walk around my block, I will end up in conversations with two or three different neighbors, learning things I didn't know before, looking for things we can do together right. that wouldn't have happened had I driven. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's really important. Not to, I mean, that just strengthens the the, the sense of community. Yeah. Kind of like, to, I'm not going to get sidetracked, I'm not going to get sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> but to talk about, like, the blue zones. Hey, you, you know, are you familiar with the blue zones? I am familiar with the blue zones. You know, like, if, if you look, there's there's 
each blue zone, there's, there's commonalities within the blue zones, but they have different diets and things of that nature. But one thing that the, the first thing that, that they all share is an extremely, extremely strong sense of community. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the one thing that kind of binds them all together. And then their lifestyles are a little bit different that way. So just going on what you said right there, you know, um, I'm intrigued by how blue zones will fit in with the community. Sure. I mean, there are so many things we're already doing that align with blue zones. Right. You know, if they focus on the health side of things, you know, that doesn't touch me at all. But there are people who work at the blue zones who I know well. I knew them from earlier um, interactions. They've mm-hmm. now joined the blue zones. So we are very much aligned with at least half of blue zones mission. And I don't know how that's going to sort out once they've come to town. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In theory versus reality, how it plays out that yeah, way. Yeah. Exactly. But no, I mean, uh, another very interesting organization, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of really good mm-hmm. ideas. But like, yeah, what you say just, you know, sounds very familiar that way. Just how important the sense of community is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, I, I go back, especially coming out of hopefully people would realize this, like coming out of COVID. Maybe it's a reminder of how important it is to interact with people and, and things of that way. You know, so there's a little bit more motivation, but we really need that. Well, so. and oddly enough, during COVID, we in some ways created more interactions. You know, yeah, for, for many of us, not as much. But with the, with the soft streets or the slow streets approach, right. safe streets or slow streets, sure. where we shut certain streets down and people could walk, right. they probably saw neighbors they had never met before. Yes, they met through masks and waved from a distance. And I'm disappointed that all that went away as quickly as it did. I, I think there was an opportunity there to build on that. And instead, we let the end of COVID. You know, that's a really good point. That was never part of the messaging. That 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 should have been part mm-hmm. of the the road diet, I guess, messaging that way. Uh, you know, I mean, the whole controversy was just about going down to to one lane and make it more bike friendly, but it didn't really go into the philosophy behind that. That message didn't get out there um, that way. And, and a kind of a side note, all that noise about the road diet. I know. Where'd it go? No, I, I, you, I'm thrilled that happened. That was actually, I don't want to say the only success, it wasn't the only success, but it was probably the most visible success Urban Chat had. Uh-huh. When that was first, when the first, when grant monies were first available in about 2013, the council chose not to go after those grant funds. It was on a 3-3 vote with one recusal. It was closed, but they didn't get there. In 2017, 2016, when the next opportunity came up, uh, to mention a couple of names, John Crowley of Aquas Cafe Mm -hmm. and Bill Cover of um, Foundry Wharf, Mm -hmm. reached out to me going, how do we, how do we get in front of this and make sure it happens? Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest single lobbying effort Urban Chat ever put together. We went door to door in the neighborhoods, convincing neighborhoods it was a good idea. We had a really? petition signed by business owners who were afraid of losing parking, mm-hmm. and convinced them it was the right thing to do. Even when we went into the council meeting where they were going to vote, we thought we had the votes. We weren't quite quite sure. Mm-hmm. But it was such a strong presentation. Uh, then Mayor Glass later told me it was the best single presentation ever seen to the city council mm-hmm. that it eventually passed 7-0. Mm-hmm. One thing we did that day, and it, it's come back, the, the lesson I'm, I'm trying to reapply now in some other situations. A lot of folks wanted us to include bike lanes in the initial lobbying effort. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of, no, that's a bridge too far. That's going to make it seem too extreme. Let's get the road diet grant application going, and then let's go back and lobby for bike lanes. Mm-hmm. And yet, we got those too. Right. It was just a matter of... You know, sometimes you can't ask for the whole pie. You need to ask for half the pie, and then once you have half the pie, go for the rest of it. And we played that played that game perfectly in that situation. Right, right. So, but yeah, uh, we, we take a lot of credit for that. Yeah, no, that's that's. Uh, uh, I never even 
I've, I've, I'm going to add that to Facebook arguments now. I mean, like there's so many like, you know, side traffic and having to go different, ride my bike on side streets and stuff like that. And that totally makes sense uh, yeah. uh, that way. Well, there's so. all the concern of people you know, detouring up the fifth or sixth street from the road diet. Right. Uh, so I've heard, what I've heard, I've not heard of anybody doing that. Right. The, the road diet works just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I sat on the uh, downtown association, the board for the downtown association mm-hmm. when it went in and we heard so much noise from it. And uh, so I, I just pulled out a stopwatch. And so from Petaluma Boulevard uh, uh, at uh, uh, East Washington, every time I just hit my cell phone stop, stopwatch when I, and, and I drive, drive there prior to, I can't remember the exact times now, before the road diet went in, I did it, did it maybe like four or five times. Then I did it, I want to say the first couple of weeks the road diet was in. And there was less than a minute change. For, oh, I was going from uh, uh, from Washington down to D Street, um, and so if 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 there was a change, not that sometimes traffic just continued right through, mm-hmm. often did. But if there was a delay, it was like a fifty second delay more than than what I, what before. And I was like, I have so much, so many other things in my life right now that are that are pressing than arguing over this fifty seconds that occasionally happens. And I'm guessing so. even the fifty seconds was reduced not long afterwards. Because every time you, you change the traffic, it takes a while to get the signals yeah, re-optimized. Right, right. And, and I know they struggled for the first few months with signal, yes. signalization, and they got that a lot better over time. They did, yeah. So, yeah, right now it's very smooth. But even at yeah. that time, it was, like, a little clumsy going through, but it wasn't enough. Like, I mean, the, it would take me longer to formulate the thought in 50 <laughs> seconds than actually, you know, like, so. Uh, I just anyway. don't like the idea of change. Yeah. Whatever right. form of change that right. is. Right. Yeah, and the assumption is always that change is going to be for the worse, and many right. Times if it's well thought out, it's for the better. It just takes some time to get there. Right, right. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, is there, uh, uh, let's talk about the film festival that sure. you have coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. So, There is a group called, they now call themselves the Better Cities Film Festival out of Detroit. They okay. have 800 films in their library. Okay. They will work with local communities who want to host a film festival, come up and curate two hours of short movies on different aspects of urbanism that they'll make available. Okay. We have begun working with them. We have contacted, we have we are in negotiation with two different venues. We may even have two nights of the film festival if we think there's sufficient interest. Okay. Uh, we I don't want to get too far into where we are because so much of it is still being planned. Right. Probably sometime in September, uh, we'll have one or two nights of short films on bicycling, parking, walkability, Downtown living, I any number of topics. So. Right, right. Um, that's really cool and, and needed. Uh, when you say venues, do you? Yeah, what type of level of? Uh, I would assume this has been gone out through Urban Chat. I mean, uh, what type of level of interest have you had so far regarding that? I think people know what's coming. I don't think we have. We've had a number of people offer to help sponsor, which is great, and we're, we will definitely be following up on those. Okay. In terms of attendance. My thought is if we can get 40 people to a Know Before You Grow forum online, mm-hmm. we should have no problem getting 100 people to a film festival with sure. wine beforehand and whatever. Mm-hmm. We're looking at venues that would be from 100 to 200 seats. Okay. Um, we've reached out to other communities, uh, Windsor, Santa Rosa, Sebastopol, that don't have anything right now like Urban Chat, but there are people there who align with Urban Chat, and I'm trying to talk them into putting together... 30 people to come down on a small bus and sure. join us for the evening. So sure. I, I'm i comfortable we can end up with 200 people attending this thing if we work at it hard. What about the Rona Park Katati area in terms of urban? It, it would seem like that's really needed up there because you have, one, you have Rona Park, which mm-hmm. is like the weirdest. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I like let's, not, let's not make fun of Rotor Park. Well, so, we, so I live in Katani. <laughs> okay. So, so, so um, I, I certainly I'm integrated in those communities that way. But yeah, like when you talk about city planning, everyone rolls their eyes when you talk about Rotor mm-hmm. Park. Now, you do have you know, Sumo Village going in there, which I think could be yeah. really beneficial to the area. And I think that you know Rotor Park prior to COVID, they were doing some like more like farmers markets and. A, Friday events to try to create more sense of a community mm-hmm. there. Uh, so they were doing things, but you still have a lot of homes going in up there. And I hope there's some type of, I, I haven't heard of anything like urban chat in terms of community discussion that way or anything like that. So, so uh, there, that's a, a kind of a, a central point that they're building a lot of new homes over, uh, you know, okay. over there. And I just and don't want them that they just try to guess. Typically, their community they try to get as many in as possible. No, they do, mm-hmm. and, and they're you know still kind of a little bit on the outskirts that way. Right. So I just hope that there's you know uh, a balanced voice that says you know what are we doing here. So there's nobody I know in those two communities. Well, I, let me back up one step. There is a planning commissioner in Katati uh-huh. who is active with Urban Chat, comes down here regularly, participates online. Right. So he is probably the nearest thing those two communities have to somebody with that voice. Okay. But. You know, it takes it takes a village to make a difference. Right. One person, no matter how right his thoughts are, can't move the boat. Sure, sure. No, that's that's good to know. That's good to know that way. So, um, but uh, getting back to the film festival. So, sometime in se- September. Probably September. Okay. Okay. Um, Probably and a weeknight. Do you have like a an idea of? Do you have like a list of films? That maybe a couple that you can tell us about right now that or you just I, I really don't okay. um, the, if anyone wants to go to the Better Cities Film Festival website they have a trailer for okay. what they want to do uh, I am going to meet with those folks I'm heading back to a pair of land use conferences a week from Monday okay. uh, Strong Towns followed by Congress for the New Urbanism the Better Cities Film Festival folks will be there I'll meet them for a beer we'll talk about it we're probably going to involve our sponsors also um you know, if somebody wants to be a sponsor, yes. we'll give them we'll some latitude to yep. decide what films they want. So, right, I see. at this point, I have really no idea what will be on the Just, list. Okay, but we'll we'll try to tailor it to be what makes sense for Petaluma. That, that's a, another, again another cool project. Is there anything? I know it's just in the, the beginning stages, but can they? How can the community help in these in these planning stages? Is it just support or anything that way? That probably just reach out and become part of the committee, trying to make it okay. happen. Okay. Uh, we always need more more bodies. Right, right. Yeah. And uh, in order to reach out through Urban Chat, yeah. go to the website. That's the best way. Yeah. Uh, that way. The, okay. There are email addresses for a number of us on the website. You can start with me or grab, grab somebody else there. Right, right. Works. Um, no, that sounds like a, a really cool project. We'll, we'll have mm-hmm. to talk more about that. And, and uh, uh, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that? that... One thing I should mention, it just came, came to mind as we were talking sure. about the website. Uh, under who we are, we list... I think the three people who were original founders and are still active, uh-huh. and that other people who have been active, who have become active since then and have made a difference, one of them is our current mayor. Uh-huh. So it sort of tells you that we have made a difference. In fact, you know, Kevin ran touting his involvement with No Before You Grow. Uh-huh. So I don't think there's any other community in California where somebody who came from an urbanist organization managed to get his way onto, you know, to become a mayor of town. Right, so, right, right. Just, yeah, no, no, again, like, you know, um, know before you grow and urban chat is topical, you know, like people know mm-hmm. who they are that way. Yeah. And, uh, uh, no, I hope, I hope more people, uh, reach out to you and, and that, that grows because again, I just think that it's just good information. It's just a, it's a, it's a good conversation to have, uh, and to really, to, to figure out 
where we need to go. I mean, again, um, at some point we're gonna have to have you back in here really soon talk about the the 15 minute village more but it solves sure. so many problems you know and i think if people really got understood it um a little bit more they'd be like oh that makes sense you know that way okay. so, so and if you want a full presentation from the sdat local sdat team i can get that arranged yeah that'd be great love that yeah okay that would be awesome. i can reach out to the woman who's the chair of that committee and yeah get that schedule that would be really cool let's let's figure out how to do that but i'd okay. love to have that okay. so um, we briefly talked about before the podcast about the different you know there's 15 minute village but maybe even a five minute village within that <laughs> that would be great we can go on a, a, a whole nother podcast episode about that no we, yeah we can i mean there, there's so many different aspects to making 15 minute villages or local villages work that um yeah yeah, no, before we were talking, laughing, that when I first heard of this concept, it was the 20-minute village. Now it's the 15-minute village. We had Brad Baker from SOMO on the podcast last week, and he was he was hyping the five-minute village. So, you know, there's a I think there's a niche out there for the three-and-a-half-minute village. <laughs> so, so <laughs> uh, anyway, but um, so, uh, you know, Dave, thank you very much again for joining us. Um, and, and again, um, uh, you know, I encourage everyone to reach out uh, and check out uh, urbanchat.org. Um, really cool website, and uh, there's just a lot of information there that can sprawl out to, to more information that way. Um, anything else that... that uh, uh, for those of you that might just say a comment on social media, get involved, come down to yes. one of your meetings, and, and don't just write a comment, actually get involved with making a change. Please, like, please. Like we have a forum next week, uh, probably on converting offices to residential. It'll be online next Wednesday evening. Uh, do you want to go into that a little bit more? Oh. So, so well, here's a new, oh, this is a perfect. I we were no, closing. Okay. no, no, this is a great topic. So okay. we talk about this all the time. We were going to close, okay. but but but, but uh, let's talk about it. So why this is so important right now is uh, the commercial sector is kind of going through what the residential side went through back in 2008, where mm-hmm. they're they're they're. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just tough times right now. I mean, we're seeing you know properties that pre-COVID in, in San Francisco that were valued at like let's say 300 million are selling at you know 50 or 60 million uh, now. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing uh, and we're having liquidity issues just like last time in the commercial mortgage market. Um, everyone, calm down. Not in the residential market, <laughs> but but in the commercial side, they are having liquidity yeah. issues now for lending. And so how that plays out, there you know. Uh, I never want people to, to go through bad times, but potentially this could be a, 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 a an opportunity to address our housing crisis. Um, that that uh, so go. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to interrupt you there before you get too far into it. Yeah. It probably isn't as good an opportunity as is not. Okay. You'd like to think. Okay. I mean, a couple of things happen. Markets go through transition. Right, right. Uh, there's a lot of people now saying, "Hey, the work at home thing isn't working out. Everybody get back to the office." Right. We may see office. Go back up. Sure. We will begin the, the No Before You Grow Forum on Wednesday with a video from, uh, you familiar with Spur? San Francisco Planning and Urban Research. Okay. It's about a century old San Francisco group that is very much like Urban Chat, but way, way bigger. Uh-huh. They did a program about a year ago about converting an office near the Civic Center down, the office building, near the Civic Center into uh-huh. residential. It's a really fun video. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm a geek, but I found it fun. But the bottom line is the cost of housing wasn't that much less than it would have been if you built a building from scratch. I you know, see. Reusing an old building just isn't all that easy, right. especially when you're converting uses. Right. And then when you have a small footprint building, it's easier because you have a lot of windows for uh-huh. the area. When you in, Here in Petaluma, we tend to have large footprint buildings right, that right. are shorter, and there's just no way to create units in the middle. You, 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 are, you, yeah, you need windows. Sure. 
Uh, I've seen some ideas of, of punching in light wells, so uh-huh. you create center courtyards that can, you know, that can have windows on them, but now you've made it that much more expensive. So I, uh-huh. I think we, we want to have the form in large part to say it's not a panacea. Maybe there's a place or two where it works, right, right. but ultimately we need to build downtown multi-story housing if we're truly going to make headway on the housing shortage. And that's Sorry about that. exactly <laughs> the reason why you're on the podcast and, and why you're so valuable is like, in theory, and when I read it, I'm like, this makes sense. Let's do it. And then we have these conversations. You're like, hey, hold on a second here. So, so like this, this might be a better way. So that's exactly why you're such a great resource. Yeah. Um, and so when is this discussion uh, happening? It'll be Wednesday evening. Wednesday evening? Uh, on Zoom. Okay. Uh, 7 o'clock. Okay. The link will be on the Urban Chat website. Urban Chat. Okay. Okay. Well, regardless uh, if it's a feasible solution or not, it seems like a really cool topic to to uh, uh, listen into, and I think we'll, well, I'll do it. I'll don't yeah. speak for you that way. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's the perfect example of why you're here. And I'm here and to pop balloons. Great, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're here to be to, yeah. to to give really good information that way, right? Like so, so um, yeah, that's that's a I think a good way to kind of wrap this up. So, uh, Dave, thank you very much oh. again for coming down here. Glad to. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, convince you to come down here again in the future. I will happily do it oh, whenever you. you ask. Uh, so, uh, uh, again, everyone, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, pl- please hit uh, like and subscribe so you can get uh, more of Dave's uh, great information in the future. Uh, I'm Sean Payne, owner and founder uh, uh, of Live Explorer. Uh, Dave Alden, thank you so much for joining us today of Urban Chat and Isaiah, uh, okay. our founding agent. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Welcome to the Live Explorer podcast. If you like what you hear, Please hit like and subscribe.